sing. No one else. Point every voice, sing it out right now. Oh, I was made. Yes, I was made. No one else. No one else can love you. Love you, Lord. Yes, I was made. He in your heart. I was made. Come on, sing it again. No one else. No one else can love you. Love you, Lord. Cause I was made unique in your heart. I was made to bring one more time. No one else, no one else can love you. Cause I was made unique in your heart. To bring you joy. Now I have a purpose. Now I have you made me for your glory. For your glory, and now I have a purpose. Now I have you made. Cool, just the drums and voices. Here we go. Now I have. Now I have a purpose. Now I have a destiny. You made me for. You made me for. Sing out. Now I have a purpose, and now I have maybe for your glory. Now I, now I, oh, now I have you maybe for you maybe for one more time. Say now I have. Clap your hands. For we worship you, Lord. Who the sun sets free. Who the sun sets free. It's free indeed. And there ain't no change that can hinder me. Hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hallelujah. Who the sun sets free. Who the sun sets free. It's free indeed. Yeah, 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 hallelujah. Yeah, who the sun, who the sun sets free, is free indeed, and there ain't no change that can hinder. Hallelujah, yeah, 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 hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, who the sun, who the sun sets free. Praise. Come on. We praise you, Lord. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. If you're free in this place, would you give him a shout of praise? Come on. Come on. I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. <laughs> Holy Spirit, you are here. We acknowledge you right now, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are amongst us. When you promised that you would never leave us, you kept your word. You're keeping it now. You're here right now. Oh, come on, church. Would you turn your affections? Would you turn your attention to him right now? He's moving. Oh, 
We're free to worship. Free to worship. Free to worship you. So yeah. Free to worship you, Lord. Come have your way. Come have your way. Yes, I love, I love. Yes, I love your presence. Come sing it out. Yes, I love, I love. I love your presence. Sing it, I love. Yes, I love and I love. Yes, I love you, Jesus. And I love, I love. I love your I love, I love, I love your presence, and I love, I love, I love your presence, and I love. Yes, I love and I love. Yes, I love you, Jesus. I love, I love. I love you. Who sing will lift you on it? Well, if you want it, we'll come and get it for crying out loud. Because love He's given you us, who's never in doubt. Well, if you want it, well, if you want it. We'll come and get it for crying out loud. Because the peace given you us, it was never in. Pull, sing, I love. It's I love, I love. Pull, sing it. I love your presence And I love, I love I love your presence See, I love you, Jesus 
Would you just let go? God, we're tired of what we can do with our own hands. God, we're tired of what we can muster up with our own emotions, Lord. Holy Spirit, we let go. Come on, let go, church. Let go right now. Would you worship? Come on, would you release it right now in your worship? Holy Spirit, have your way. Let him go. 
teach us to let go. We want more of you. Teach us, Lord. Oh. Corey, now we're just going to leave room for the Holy Spirit. We're just going to stay right here just for a little bit. Come on, if you feel like you have a word from the Lord today, we just ask you guys to just take turns and just speak it out. We invite you, Holy Spirit. says return why wait why wait Lord we return to you we return come on church we return to you Lord oh bring us back Lord why do you fear man why do you fear the people to your left and to your right when you should be fearing me on the last day you will face me and the people on your left and to your right will not be there to hold you. Why are you afraid of man? You should fear me and what I think about you. If you know what my word says, listen. If you know what my word says, listen.
Come on, if those words were for you today, would you respond right now? Would you respond to him? He's waiting for your response. You blow me away 
wind of the Holy Spirit today who feels like they're in a desert no water no rain no wind how many today just need the refreshing of the Lord today how many just need the wind of God I was just in New Orleans it was 90 degrees it was so hot in the Sun no clouds just straight Sun but when that breeze would come off the Gulf of Mexico it would just refresh me. Come on, how many just need refreshing today? Don't let the troubles of this world dry up your love. Don't let the hardships of life dry you out today. Come on, let God blow you away. Let the presence of God, oh, let it fill you today. Oh, let it take away the heat of the afflictions of your life today. It's all about God today, friends. Without Him, we're nothing. Oh, blow us away, God, with your glory. The wind of your presence, oh God. Like a cool breeze off the ocean, God. Let us feel you today, God. Let us experience you, God. <laughs> Woo! 
Hallelujah. More, God. More, God. Hallelujah. Would you just close your eyes just for a few moments and just place your hand over your heart today. Would you do that with me, please, in an act of prayer to your God and my God? And would you look into your heart right now with your mind's eye to your soul and to who you are? And would you confess to the Lord anything today? that would keep you from him so that you can experience him more. So many call out on God and they don't necessarily feel him like they want to. They don't necessarily experience him. And yet they think it's God's fault. My friend, I want you to check your heart today. God is so close to many in this room right now. And if he's not close to you as he ought to be, it's in your heart. It's in hidden sin. It's in disobedience. And God is saying, before I bless you, I want you to repent. I want you to make it right. He doesn't want to bless your mess. He wants to bless his children who are obedient to his word. So before we blame God and say, well, you know, that preacher, you know, he, he's working us up emotionally, but I just don't feel it this morning. My friends, that's not God's fault. We're not playing make-believe today. This is not a David Copperfield magic show. We're not trying to trick you. God is as close to you as you allow him to be right now. He'll go down as deep as you open up the doors of those, those parts of your heart. If you just let him in the living room, that's where he'll stay. It's up to you if you let him into the closets, the bedroom, the private places of your life to say, God, change me. Rearrange me. Just like the words we're saying today. Let God change you. Just a few moments of private reflection right now. Meditation. Let everyone search their heart. Thank you, God. Show us who we really are. Change us to who you are. No more excuses today, God. No more excuses today, God. We know the path you have for us is the path of life. When we do it our own, it's a path of destruction. God, we know better. We know better for these sins, God. We know better. Lord, we know, God, that they leave us empty. They promise us things they don't deliver. The lust of the flesh, the lust of our eyes, the pride of our life. It draws us away so easy. But in the end, it leaves us so empty, oh God. It leaves us alone by ourselves, empty on the inside, God. Today we ask you to forgive us. Purify us. So that when we sing the verse of this song again, where your glory is, I want to be. We mean it today, God. It's not I'm going to start drinking tonight till tomorrow with my friends and party throughout Memorial Weekend and 
just make this a religious function. No, I mean it today, God. Things change right now. I mean it today, God. I'm cutting off the internet. I'm cutting off, God, the friends. I'm cutting off, God, the attitude, the rebellion, the disobedience to your word, the habits that grieve you when I commit them. Come on, just a few more moments between you and God who can see your heart so clear today. It's not new to him. And now would you just raise your hands as a Holy Ghost antenna just to let the Lord know now you want that heart that's been cleansed to be filled with his presence, that heart that's been changed. You want it right now to be set on fire. And we're going to sing this verse again. Would you put up the words for me, brother? And it's where I want to be. And I pray it's where you want to be. And just one more time today, can we sing it with our hands raised, hearts lifted up? This is where I want to be. Where the glory of my God is. I want to be. That's where I want to be, Jesus. Where your beauty is, I want to see. Where the scars got from Calvary are born. Are born, I lay my kiss. It's your presence. It's your presence, Lord. Just one more time. Where your glory is, God. Where your glory is. I want to be, you know my heart, God, where your beauty is, I want to see, where your scars are born, I lay a kiss, it's your presence, Lord, that I miss, come blow me away, God, you blow me away. Yes, Lord. Just fill all of us today with your good things, oh God. Fill us today with things that this world could never give us, oh God. Your love, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your gentleness, your faithfulness. God, self-control, fill us. Come on, let us just shout it out. You blow me away. the same again Jesus you blow me away you blow me away yes you blow me away you blow me away hallelujah hallelujah on the count of three, we're going to bless him today for what he's done in our heart. One, because he's good in Calvary, changed our lives. Two, because we'll never be the same again because he walks and talks with us. Three, if you love him, will you praise him now? Hallelujah. If you've been blessed by God, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Gloria a Dios. Gloria. Savior.
Savior and our friend, Jesus. Jesus. Woo. How many feel Jesus? Can I hear an amen? Praise God. I'm going to ask you to wait to fellowship in just a few moments. But would you prayerfully just find your way back to your seat right now, please? We're going to have a time of fellowship in just a few moments. We welcome you to Metro Praise. Wow, I feel the presence of God here. I just put up on Facebook for our live webcasts. Come see Metro Praise. Put the boom in boom shakalaka. But it's really come watch Jesus bring the boom. Amen. Can you just look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God brings the boom. I'm just getting boomed. <laughs> I'm getting boom shakalaka. We are celebrating this week in a very special time in America. It is Memorial Day weekend. And it's not to be confused with Veterans Day. Memorial Day is the time that we remember the fallen soldiers of America as armed forces who has given their lives for our freedom to do what we're doing here right now. I want you to watch this video as it's getting prepared. I want to share with you a few things that most of us don't know about our history. America was born out of the <clears throat> excuse me, American Revolution where we fought for religious freedom from tyrants, both of religious tyrancy and from government tyrancy. At that Revolutionary War, 50,000 Americans were either wounded or killed. Then a few years later, after our liberation had been settled in history, we had to fight again, which was then the most deadliest battle for Americans which was the Civil War from 1861 to 1865. Over 646,392 Americans were either killed or injured, and the great majority were killed. During that time, we fought for the liberation of all races to live in this land and to have freedom, not just for the African-American, though they were treated the worst, but for all people. From that time of the Civil War, we were a beacon to the other countries. If your heritage goes back to another country other than America at the time of Civil War, meaning if your ancestors have come after the Civil War, would you raise your hand right now? Most of us have had ancestors. I'm going to say that again because some of you are looking at me like you don't understand. I'm going to say this again. If you or your family, your ancestors, have come to America after the time of 1861, that means you cannot trace your family tree back to 1861. You came after that. Your family, your ancestry, would you raise your hand for me, please? That should be most of you in this congregation. My great-grandparents, the Polish side came from Poland. The other side came from Italy. Then after the Civil War, the greatest war that we fought was World War, II, uh, World War I from 1917 to 1918. Over 300,000 were either injured or killed. And during this time, we fought 
one of the most dirtiest wars of all time. As a matter of fact, it was called trench warfare. And after this, the Geneva Code was set up so that war would not be fought like this again because it was so devastating to the people. Primarily, chemical warfare was being used. Torture was being used on all sides. Prisoners were not being taken. They were being slaughtered and killed. Injured were being allowed to lay upon the, the battlefield until they suffered and died because of that, the violence of that war. But during that war, we had to push back Germany and the axis of evil powers. But they didn't learn their lesson because in World War II, which we thought in World War I that was going to be the war that ended all wars. In World War II, 19, excuse me, World War II, 41 to 45, we had over a million Americans die or get injured. And the great majority, 670,000, were injured during that time. And at that time, Hitler wanted to not only take over Europe, but wanted to take over the whole world. And if you know something about history, he was pretty well on his way to doing that. Taking uh, Japan and Italy were working with them, taking over the Philippines, taking over different islands around those areas of Southeast Asia, Japan, coming over across from Hawaii. If they would have had their way led under the Fuhrer of Nazi Germany, you and I today would not have the freedom we have. Now, why is this church doing this today? Because we believe that God has blessed America with a winning record. I'm not going to get into the details of all the wars that followed but we fought the korean war 128,000 gave their lives there we then fought the vietnam war over 200,000 gave their lives there and now we are in the persian gulf wars where almost 70,000 combined since the time of george w bush the first george w bush almost a hundred thousand have given their lives there including my nephew Billy Rhodes gave his life in the Marine Corps in Afghanistan. America has given up over 2,489,000 of its best and brightest young men and strongest so that you and I could sit here, have the religious freedom that we do, the economic blessings that we have, the civil peace in government that we all enjoy from whether it's the policemen keeping crime off the street to our doctors and nurses being able to practice uh, their medicine without being taken by the drug lords and held captive as they are being in Mexico, taking away all the civil servants. Those drug cartels are removing all the civil governments and, and, and civil affairs so that you and I could be here. And I know if I am your pastor and I don't get a revelation of that, two million people giving their lives. I know many of you don't either. Now we have some here that have, have and are serving in our armed forces. And one I would like to acknowledge today, David Montez just came back from drill sergeant training. He was ranked number two in his class. He is now a drill sergeant. David, would you stand and can we bless you? We thank you. And the others that are continuing to serve, we appreciate what you do. 
And it's always been that way. By, by the way, if you didn't know, it's always been the clergy with the military supporting the work in America. The first calls for the Revolutionary War to pick up arms were coming from the pastors. Saying, congregation, the militia is here. Sign up is in the back of the congregation. Now do your part. The scripture that they would mostly read was from Ecclesiastes that would say there is a time for war and there is a time for peace. And then the pastors would go through the list and say now is a time for war. But because so many of us just can't capture that, and I feel it's our duty to do so, I wanted to play for you just a five-minute video of the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan where it shows us the battle here on D-Day, this battle was probably the greatest battle in our history of battles. It was our way of joining with the Europeans, coming to the European shores, and setting and liberating them free. Normandy, France, and England primarily. To set them free, Poland as well, Germany, some of the others. And these soldiers were just teenagers. 18, 19 years old, some of them young in their 20s, 21, 21, 21, 22. Some of them lied to be able to get there, so they were 16 and 17 coming from the towns all across America and the cities. Both of my grandparents on the Italian side and the Polish side both fought in this war. So the people who had just come here and made this their country went back to the places they loved to liberate them. My Polish grandfather going back with the Americans to set free Poland from the Germanies. My Italian grandfather going back with the Americans to set free Italy from Mussolini. Are you all listening to me? These men trained for years, some of them in basic training. The plan was over two years long and to prepare to get there. And they set up drops from the 101st Airborne, which Nick was a part of us. Give it up for Nick. He was in the 101st Airborne. Nick, would you stand? Thank you. They sent 20,000 the night before. Throughout the night, they were dropping our soldiers. Then during the day, over 100,000 people stormed those beaches of Normandy. The Germans were waiting for them. These young men who had prepared years to be out there, some of them simply just gave their life in the boat, in the ship, just so the one behind them could get onto the shore. They told them, don't stop running. Keep running. They, the Germans had it marked with heavy artillery, with heavy machine gun fire, with landmines. And what they told them was, you just keep running. Get past the shoreline and overtake the enemy if you see your friend lose his arm if you see somebody die keep running we have to overtake them if we just let fear grab our hearts and stop and hide the enemy will bombard us and kill us but we make it harder as a moving target and as we keep sending ships after ship 10,000 then another 10,000 then another 10,000 we will bombard them till they can no longer kill us all and we will overtake their front that was the plan and these brave soldiers these brave men gave their lives so that we could be here today some of them only saw two minutes of battle, 30 seconds of battle, but they gave their life so that we could be here today and celebrate freedom. So I feel we should do it in church because I've been to other countries where even my ringtone playing a Christian song, I had to quit 
in Nepal's airport, I had to quickly silence my phone because it had a Christian ringtone. Jesus freak. If you ever heard that song, you know, I don't really care what they think about me. No, I'm a Jesus freak. And I'm like, right now I kind of do because they're about ready to let me into their country to evangelize where it is illegal to evangelize in Nepal. Are you listening? So we take this as an honor. Ellie, would you please play the video and let us watch this in honor of our soldiers today.
Let's give it up for our American forces. Come on. I would like for us to have a moment of silence to remember all of those who gave their lives. That we would think about the sacrifice that they made, the people that never made it home. Arlington Cemetery is full of the people who gave their life for our country so that we could have the freedom. Over 6,000 Americans there on D-Day gave their lives for our freedom. Could we have a moment of silence for them right now? I would ask now that we would prepare to pray for the nations by gathering our flags. We want to pray now not only for the peace of America, but we want to pray for the nations of this world. I know that Brother Billy, my nephew, gave his life in honor for the Marines to, so that we could have that freedom. But we're not only just praying for America today as a church, we want to lift up all of the nations. So I would ask that the elders and deacons quickly and 201 students would grab these flags and let us present them to the Lord. And would you just stand with us today? And We're going to move on with the service, and you're going to have good barbecue this weekend, and it's going to be a lot of fun. The weather's going to be great. But I want us to lift up our nation and the nations of the world that peace will reign, that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, will come to these nations that the peace of God will be in our streets again and be upon our land. The two greatest enemies that Satan is using against the peace of the people is the, the spirit of Islam and the spirit of communism. So let's just pray for these nations. As you see the flags here, just pick one out and pray for them. Stretch your hands towards them. You see the American flag, Japanese flag, the Korean flag, the Chinese flag. Come on. Indian flag, African flags are up here, Nigeria. Latin American flags are represented, or any nation you can think of. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer for the nations. Lord, we pray for peace in America with our soldiers right now as they're fighting God in Afghanistan. We pray for stability in Iraq. We pray, God, for places like Indonesia, the Philippines, Pakistan, places that are suffering, North Korea, hallelujah, China. And we pray, God, that Jesus will bring peace. Jesus is the answer. Politics are not the answer. Jesus is the answer. God, put Jesus in these governments again. The Ten Commandments, the obedience to your word. In his name we pray for kings and leaders and all those in authority that they would bow their knee to Jesus, ask for his wisdom, and that his peace would come. Drug cartels would be broken up in Colombia, Mexico. Hallelujah. There would be peace right now. In the name of Jesus. Just a few more moments, saints. Welcome to a church that actually cares about the nations. We pray for them because we care for them. In Jesus' name, no more deaths. 
No more wars among men. Spiritual battles against the devil. Spiritual battles against the devil and his lies that he's told us. In the name of Jesus. As we get ready to fellowship in just a few moments with our welcoming video, I'm just going to ask David Montes, who is also one of our leaders here, to pray for our soldiers and the peace of the nations that God would establish order upon this world and that the devil, the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he would be stopped. Thank you, Lord, for your word and your truth, Lord, Father God, and the revelation of who you are, Lord. I just pray that you would keep our soldiers, Lord, safe, Lord, Father God, and those that are fighting in different nations, not just in Iraq and Afghanistan, Lord, but the peacekeepers, Lord, and those doing the, the mundane duties and every day, Lord, that you would keep them safe in, in, the, in, the, in the midst of all the complacency, Lord. I pray that you would protect them against our enemies, Lord, Father God, that you would make them keen and fast and that, that you would give them wisdom, oh, Father God, Lord, that all their training would come back to them, Lord, Father God, that they would not hesitate, oh, Father God. Lord, that you would heal the, the physical scars, but most importantly, the psychological ones that they come back home to, oh, Father God, that they would be men of God, Lord, Father God, that they would be men of integrity, Lord, Father God. Not when duty calls them, Lord, but back home, Lord, here, Lord, when they return, oh, Father God. I pray that you would heal them, Lord, in more ways than one, oh, Father God, that they would use wisdom in their daily dealings, oh, Father God. And, Lord, for the families, Lord, Father God, that are back home, Lord, they're fighting a different kind of war. Protect them, too, oh, Father God, that you would keep them pure and righteous, oh, Father God, and that their families would be in, uh, families of integrity, oh, Father God. Lord, protect them in Pactiva province, in the Helmand province, oh, Father God, in the Horn of Africa, oh, Father God, in the Balkans, oh, Father God, and here in the United States, for those that are not serving overseas, Lord, Father God, keep them together, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we bless the Lord for what he's doing here and abroad, amen. Jesus is coming to the nations. We're going to put on a welcome video. Would you greet one another and enjoy some fellowship? Tell three people why you're happy to be at Metro Praise in an American. Tell them, come on, welcome to Metro Praise. Slap them high five. God bless you.
used to do uh, barbecues during those days, but then everybody had th stuff to do, so we just didn't mess with the, the big barbecue days because we knew everybody had family to go to. And uh, if anybody's... I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love. Come on over there and check you out. Maybe some arachera. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was funny. Like, I felt like stereotypical. Like, I was asking the Latinos, you know, you cooking the arachera and the tortillas? No, chicken, hot dogs. So I felt bad. You know what I'm saying? But how many know, if you've been around a barbecue, know I love arachera. I've become like a little arachera pro, by the way. You know what I'm saying? I, you bake that tortilla, get that arachera ready, put the onions up there. Can I get a witness from my, my Mexicano brother? Yeah, yeah. Well, we just want to welcome you here to our 10 a.m. service every Sunday at 10 a.m. This is what we're doing. If you like it this week, come back next week. It's just getting better. Every Wednesday, we have encounter nights, which is our midweek for the families to come out. Prayer meeting and Bible study here with the adults and Royal Rangers Impact for the boys and girls in the classrooms. It's like Boy Scout, Girl Scouts for Jesus. And this Wednesday is a family fun night, and it's going to be a movie night. Bring all of your friends and family, and it will be a great time and then also we have elevate come on pastor adam what did y'all doing this week i think you got a movie night friday at 7 30 as well right we just had our movie night this okay. past friday come on, how was it we watched nacho libre it was a blast my favorite movie we also had yes. a a mustache contest and surprisingly a girl won the mustache contest are you serious she, she drew it all it was it was great um actually for the month of may uh since i'm um, June, rather, since we have yeah. the Boricua Fest, we are going to have a barbecue at the end of the month. So that's something we're looking forward awesome, to. Awesome, awesome. Can I hear a little bit of the, the fantasy has ended? Do you know that song? No, not fully, no. All the children have gone. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Nacho Libre song. If you haven't seen it, that's okay. I'm a little weird. Anyways, how many are excited for the Puerto Rican Festival? Come on, let's make some noise. Puerto Rican Festival coming up this month. Man, June, we've been waiting for it. The good weather is here. It's time to bring Jesus to the park. I'm asking everybody to come out for all three days. Make this your mission ship. Thursday night, come out and join us, okay? We're going to meet here at 4 o'clock Thursday night and then head out there till about 8 o'clock. So join us Thursday night. Then Friday morning, we're going to meet here at 9 in the morning. So you got to get off work, make some adjustments, use this vacation time to reach people for Jesus. Let this be your mission trip. How many think Chicago needs a mission trip? How many think they need Jesus? Come on. And then we're going to be meeting Friday morning, 9 a.m. here, having some training. Because if you're like, man, I don't know how to do any of that stuff, we're going to teach you how to do it. And we're going to go out there all day until 8 o'clock at night. So we're going to have lunch out there. We'll give you time to get some of the, you know, arroz con candules from the vendors. But we're going to be bringing our own food as well, homemade arroz con candules. But we always let you go out to the vendors if you want some. And then Saturday, the same thing, 9 in the morning till 8 at night. So Thursday night, meet here at 4. And then those two next days come at 9 in the morning. And let's just show up the Puerto Rican Festival with the love of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to take out our speakers, everything you see here. We've got some Christian rap, some Christian reggaeton. We play it loud. We've got face painting for the children. You know, they'll get the Puerto Rican flag or a cross or a relative's name like on their, like a tattoo or something. We have free children's games out there, giving away free food. And then we have people stationed all throughout the park talking about Jesus, asking people, hey, can we tell you about Jesus? And we always partner you up with strong witnesses. So if you're not, you know, strong at this yet, we're going to give 
give you somebody that is so you can learn of them. And Jesus, by the way, commanded you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So what a better time than this. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. This is our vision. Can somebody say loving God? Can somebody say loving people? Thank you. We want to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. If this is your first time here and you've been visiting with us, we have information in the back about all of our ministries and someone that will share with you in detail what makes Metro Praise special. Our vision is to love God and love people. And then we have a strategy. Can everybody go strategy? Thank you. We have a strategy to connect you to the cross. Somebody say connect to the cross. Say mentor with the cross. And say send with the cross. Thank you. The first phase of our strategy is connect you to the cross. How do you do that? Through a life group that meets during the week in somebody's home. Does anybody have life at life groups? Does anybody get blessed by them? Amen. We have over 70% of our church attending life groups right now. We have adult life groups. We have youth life groups. They meet all during different times of the week for food, fun, and fellowship. Join the revolution. Get in a life group. Get plugged in where you can have a home Bible study with the friends and family in this church and grow in your faith. And then somebody say mentor. Thank you. In that mentor phase, you can ask your life group leader to start training you up to know more about Christ. In your first seven-step book, it's seven steps to growing closer to Christ. You can go through this one-on-one with the leader. Nothing to be embarrassed about. Start with the knowledge you have and go through this. And when you finish it, they'll put you in the 201 class, and you can become radical for Christ. Is there any 201 students here today? Come on, some 201 students, and this is how we train you up to live for Jesus because we know the devil is out there to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus wants to give you life and life more abundantly. Get the tools to live a successful life, and then somebody say, send. Thank you. We'll send you out to change the world. You can make a difference on your job. You can make a difference in your family, and we believe if we do this right, we can see 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do it, can somebody say let's do it amen and let me give you a fun statistic right now we have more disciples in metro praise than we ever have had before god is fulfilling this vision we have over 250 churches around the world and we have our second campus at wicker park with a youth ministry and adult ministry and they are making disciples there one of the disciples from wicker park that came at the grand opening service is now accepting the call of god to be in full-time ministry and will be joining sum a school for pastors starting this fall can we give it up for jesus amen we may not have easter egg drops we may not have the easter bunny and all these other things you saw but what we do have is some radicals making disciples for jesus can i hear an amen amen and this is the report that i want you to have financially we are always in one sense or another behind in this time of recession i know once the recession breaks there will not be a lack in this ministry so many of you i talk to you say you're underemployed or you're not employed at all so what we're asking those to do who can who can help out to join our building fund if we could just get 50 people on top of their tithe and offering once a month to give 50 extra dollars 
dollars to our building, we can pay off the debts that we've incurred to be in this building. And if we can get 50 people to give more, uh, $25 to the, uh, to the missions, we can supply the need for the missions. And so what we believe in a church like Metro Praise is that we're to be tithers and givers of offering. Everyone should give a tithe no matter what the state of their income is. is because God says, trust me and I'll provide. And so the tithe is breaking that heart of greed and worry. So be a tither. But that offering is something between you and God. All I can do as a pastor is just set the idea before you. And if you would so desire to do that, we could really appreciate it right now so that we would not lose any of the good we're doing here but maintain it. And then I believe as the economy changes and as more people come, we can excel in what we're doing. Can I hear everybody say excel? Thank you. As we prepare to receive our tithe and offering today, I just want to thank you for your gifts to the mission field. Right now, we are supporting five different pastors in those nations of India, Pakistan, Nepal, Nigeria, and the Philippines. We are sending special gifts right now to the Philippines for his computer, for the starting of the publishing of our books. That is also uh, for him. They speak mostly English and read and write in English, so that's pretty much what they'll be using in English. But we're sending them the materials. And right now he's working with raising up a youth camp and children's ministry. And we have monies to send there to help him reach the children and the youth because poverty is a big issue in the Philippines. And so when the churches can say five days a week we'll have church here in the village and then give your children a snack to eat and also teach them to read and write, the church becomes awesome to the people in the surrounding areas. So where some of your mission money is going, it's going to that right there. If you're uh, ready to give, would you all just stand with me right now? Let's prepare to receive our tithes and offerings and, and pray. Father, we thank you for what you're doing around the world through such a place as Metro Praise. Most people can't believe it. It's one of those things where the true, the saying is true, small, great things come in small packages. God, we have these churches overseas and we're continually to bless them in great ways. And we thank you for that, but we ask you for more. And God, we thank you for what we're doing here and all the children we're reaching. Every week we send out a bus, to, a van to Ohio Park, pick up 20 inner city kids and bring them here and teach them the principles of life along with our own children. And Lord, we have youth group that always reaches out to our teenagers with free gifts and free fun nights along with all the countless things we do in this community for the neighborhood. Lord, now we ask you to bless your people. You said if we put the kingdom of God first, you will then take care of our needs. And, Lord, I know there's a lot of needs here today. So, Lord, would you answer their prayers? Would you be faithful to your people? Give God the American economy the jump start that it needs through wisdom. Help us, God, to get out of debt as a nation and then as a people to get out of debt and rein in our spending. And then, Lord, give us wisdom to have promotion and inventive ideas on our jobs to be the best at it so we can be a testimony to the others. God, this is the nation of ingenuity, so I pray it comes from this church. Like Mr. Green started Hobby Lobby to meet a need and gives tens of millions to the church. God, we pray for more business owners, more, more of those entrepreneurs even here, and bless those that are in that business leading right now, Lord. And we pray for our children, that they would be raised up in safety and education. And we pray for our children's children, God, that we would leave a legacy, 
should you tarry, Lord, and we have to go home to be with you, that we would leave this church and this nation better than the way we found it. God, would you bless your people to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen. Amen. On the count of three, would you confess this with your heart today? One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Thank you as you come to give. God bless you. Can we play a happy song? Let's get them dancing. Grab your partner by the hand and dance with them a little bit. Little do-si-do. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Will you open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5? Next month, we are going to start a new series on soul winning to prepare you for Boricua Fest and to have you be effective in winning souls wherever you are in life. We'll be talking about different forms of evangelism, friendship evangelism, how to win souls on the job and in your family without having to actually stand behind a pulpit or hand them a flyer. We'll be talking about event evangelism, how to be a part of big events and to show up and to make a difference. And then we'll be talking about prayer evangelism, how to pray so that God opens hearts and that he opens the minds of people. Let me just give you an example as you're turning to Matthew 5 of prayer evangelism. So you remember for Easter, I really wanted our... Our neighbors to come show up and be the group that we would bring, you know, the husband and wife and children. Well, it turned out it didn't happen, but I was able to build a friendship with them. But as time's gone on, you know, we've been a little busy, they've been busy, and I'm going to try to get back over there in the summer. But here is an answer to our prayer. I'm going into my house the other day, and our porches, you know, kind of see each other, so I'm on my porch, he's on his porch, we can kind of have a, a like, home improvement talk there, you know, with Tim the tool guy, but this time it's above the fence. And so so I'm talking to the neighbor, and, and the woman comes out, and she goes, Joe, you wouldn't believe this. I had to find a new chiropractor closer to my job, and I show up, and I see your church flyers right there on the desk. So I asked the person, how do you all know about Metro Praise? And Jerry, one of the leaders at our Wicker Park campus, who's an administrator there, says, I go to that church. She says, I met one of your members, and she's so nice. And I just said, thank you, God. Thank you for keeping the gospel witness in her life. See, that's prayer evangelism. God is answering those prayers. So come next month, the month of June, as you're thinking of nice weather and spending time with friends and family, let us focus on winning them to the Lord in these summer months. Can I hear an amen for soul winning? Amen. And so what we did this month is we looked at the Sermon on the Mount. We went through the message of the Beatitudes at the beginning of the month. Then we talked about uh, Mother's Day and some important things about life. And then last week we went back to salt and light. Now there is a, a particular message I want to get to in the Sermon on the Mount to kind of close out this impromptu series that God has placed on my heart. And that is going to be found in Matthew 6. And we're going to be talking about how not to worry in life. That's actually... 
today's message. You're going to learn how not to worry. It's going to be pretty awesome. But before we get there, maybe you're somebody like me, and you're like, hey, there's a lot of good stuff in there that we're going to skip over to get to that part. I would have liked to have heard something about that. So right now, I'm going to give you a quick summary of everything between Matthew 5 and Salt and Light and the Beatitudes and Matthew 6. Everybody say, I know my pastor. He can do it. Come on, because I can talk fast. Okay? So in verses, chapter 7 uh, and chapter 5, verses 17 to 20, Jesus then begins to talk about the fulfillment of the law. He said he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. What that means is, is that the Old Testament is not null and void. The Old Testament set up a parameter that God would work within, and Jesus fulfills it. So the way to look at the Old Testament isn't to look at it as needless information. The way we look at it is second grade information, and now third grade has come, but we base everything we do on in third grade on what we did in second grade or you could say the old testament is like elementary school and the new testament is now like high school or college are you all tracking with me so the old i said is anybody tracking with me here Okay, so when you look at the Old Testament and you read things about, you know, stoning the adulterer, or if your kids are rebellious, stone them, and don't mix up different cloths when you're making uh, garments, and the priests have to check the virginity of women to make sure that they were virgin when they got married, otherwise the men might have gotten a spoiled goods. Now, when I talk like this, you start saying, oh, that's crazy, but that's in your Bible, and it's actually good that it's in your Bible, because during those times of ancient history, those things were important. It was important to make sure how we sanitize how we were married how we trusted one another and so the old testament deals with those things and jesus says in this passage i have not come to do away with them and just burn them up in the fire and say it's no good he said i've come to fulfill them and so what that means is that jesus was the imperfect embodiment of the laws of god in the old testament and laws were showing the character of the father and so jesus comes and fulfills those laws perfectly to exemplify the character of the Father, and thus by fulfilling the requirements, now he can move mankind to a new covenant, a better covenant, a covenant that is based upon grace and not upon law, based upon the words of Christ and not the words of Moses that God gave him. So that's why you have in your Bible an Old Testament, Testament meaning covenant, and a New Testament meaning new covenant, is because Jesus fulfilled the Old Covenant and then Father God gave him the passing grade and sent him forth with a new covenant and that's why before he was crucified at the table he gave them the bread and wine and he said this is the bread and wine of the new covenant that I am now starting with you so the commands that we are to follow and obey strictly are from Matthew all the way to Revelation those are our commands but when we look from Genesis to Malachi the Old Testament we're not to say those commands are not important they are valuable and they teach us a lot about history but we're to say they're not necessarily for us because Jesus already accomplished it. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Then Jesus begins to talk about how the law would say one thing but did not go to the heart of the matter. For example, the law would talk about not murdering. But now he says, if you are angry with your brother, say raka, or basically saying to your brother, you fool, go to hell. If you're cursing them out, you are guilty in your heart of murder. So now the new covenant brings more clarity to the character of God. It's actually not less, it's more. So in the Old Testament, you were told, don't take a hatchet and kill somebody like Freddy Krueger. Don't do that. 
Now, Jesus says, you've heard not to do that, but I'm also now telling you in the new covenant, don't be angry and curse them out. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. Then he goes on to the subject of adultery in Matthew 5, 27 through 30. He says, you've heard it in the Old Testament. Don't have sex with another man's wife. And how many husbands are happy and wives are happy that we don't do that today? Have sex with each other's wives and have adulterous affairs. That should not happen. Christians should be different. But Jesus then says, it's not just not having sex with another man's wife. It's also not lusting after any woman that's not your wife to have sex with them. Somebody go, ooh. See, it just got real. See, the Old Testament said, don't have the actual act. You know, late at night, you know what I'm saying? Don't actually have the, yeah, I did it in church. I'll regret that later. My wife will tell me why I shouldn't have done that. But it was just in my mind of trying to exemplify what that meant, having sex, okay? So anyways, too many years as a youth pastor, by the way, because the youth always love that. Like the adults are like, come on, just move on. Just move on past that, son. you know, like my child's next week. Anyways, um, so he said, don't have sex with another man's wife. That's great. But don't lust after any woman to have sex with them. See, that's why when we say pornography is adultery, that's where we get it from. Jesus said that it's a dishonor. Now, somebody might say, well, how does that relate to adultery? Because actually the woman may or may not be married, you know. Well, the reason is she is supposed to be married to somebody at some time. So in God's eyes, it's like that person will be somebody's wife. That person is not your wife. Thus, you lusting after them and, and, and desiring to have sex with them and it not be your wife is a sin. And that's what the Bible says. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eyes cause you to sin, cut it off because it would be better going to heaven being limpy and being called lefty than to go to hell with all of those faculties. And that's why the Bible is saying there figuratively, man, if your internet's causing you to sin, cut it off. If going out and watching some of those movies, uh, you know, start the engine and you go home and rev it up more, then cut off things that entice you into those things. Could somebody say amen? Amen. The next thing he gets into is divorce. Now, once again, in the time of Moses, Old Testament, they were said that if you didn't want to be married anymore, you could have divorce. You could then say to your wife or a wife, not necessarily the wife to the husband. She didn't necessarily have that right unless she was abused. But for the most part, the man would say to the wife, I'm going to divorce you and marry somebody else. There would be no real penalty for that. It would be called divorce on demand. But now Jesus says in the New Testament, I'm not going to let you just say to your wife, well, uh, you know, you've had two, two kids. You don't look the same anymore. I'm going to now divorce you and go marry another younger woman. You just got to take care of yourself. They were doing that in the Old Testament and just kind of upgrading as it were. He now says divorce is only right in God's eyes if the woman has committed adultery. Or if the other spouse has committed adultery. So if they've gone out and cheated on you, then you can cut it off. Other than that, you cannot do it. And then most people say, well, what about spousal abuse? Because he doesn't talk about it here necessarily. If somebody is beating you and whooping you, women, listen to me. You separate from them. Chances are in a few days they're going to cheat on you and give you those walking papers according to the Bible, okay? But I would definitely say get out of there as soon as possible and press charges against him. 
And then some pastors, and I would be one of them, would go right back to that other scripture of adultery and put it on uh, the pornography because if they're not having sex, they're normally lusting and having sexual perversion addicted to pornography. So abuse will always be tied to other things. Are you all listening to me? But the first thing is get out of there. The Bible talks about us protecting the innocent. But the ultimate thing that should break the covenant is the the adultery. That's what should break that covenant. So it would be separating and just saying, I'm not going to live with you. I'm not going to be anywhere around you. This is what I've decided to do. Well, chances are they're going to now break it in other ways. And, and, and if they don't, then maybe there could be reconciliation with deep repentance. And we have had men in this church who were abusive, get saved, live right, and then turn their family into a blessed family. But I would say to a woman, don't stay in that home praying for him. Pray in your mother's home or somewhere else, and we'll help get you to safety. Amen? Because we don't play with that. Now, the next thing we go to here is oaths in Matthew 33 on to 37. He begins to talk about in the Old Testament, they would swear all the time. And they would go, I swear to God, I'm innocent. And I swear this. And I swear on my mama's grave, how we would say today, they would swear all the time. And then Jesus says, that's so foolish because you can't swear to God because you have no stake with God. You can't control anything up there. And if you swear by Jerusalem or you swear by your city, you don't have any control over these things. So he says, simply just make your yes, yes, and your no, no. And that should be how we live. We shouldn't have to say, I swear. I swear I'm telling the truth. Just tell me the truth and make your truth known at the very time we ask you. Can I hear an amen? And that's why he said, you can't even change your hair from white to black. Now, some women would be like, I can change it to pink, purple, and blonde by the time I get home tonight. You know, but listen, what he's saying is, is you can't change your hair color. Like right now, I got a lot of gray in here. I can't do it by my thinking. So the power of my mind can't even transform that. So why am I thinking I can, you know, swear by these great lofty things and it make a difference? What he's teaching them is just simply say yes. And no, that's it. You don't need to swear because you don't have power over any of those things. And it does, like I'm swearing on my mama's grave. Like that means nothing. It's not like we can now go beat up your mama if you told us a lie, you know. Like you have no power over that. I swear to God. Like now we're like saying, God, he sweared by your name and it didn't happen. Will you go down there and talk to him? It's like, it's like just worry about yourself. Take care of yourself and let your yes be yes, no be no. How many want to see honesty in today's culture? Can I hear an amen? Thank you. Then moving on, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, verse 38 to 42. He then says, you've heard it in the Old Testament, which was true. If somebody got their tooth knocked out, you could knock out their tooth. So imagine you guys are wrestling around, fellas, with your teenage friend, and he accidentally elbows you and knocks out a tooth. You could bring him to the courts of Jerusalem, and, and they would say, hey, did you knock out his tooth? And, you know, the, the friend, yeah, I knocked out his tooth. Okay, you knock out his tooth. And you'd be like, okay, you got to come, and pow. Oh, sorry, I got out three, but, you know, we're even now, you know. And so now the Bible says, hey, don't resist an evil person. If he strikes you on the right cheek, cheek, uh, cheek turn him to the other. Give him the other cheek. If he wants to take your tunic, give him your cloak as well. If he wants to go one mile, go two miles. Give the one who asks of you and don't turn away from the one who borrows. Now, right here, there's a lot of misunderstandings. People like to then say, well, I'm supposed to let people whoop on me all the time, take all my clothes and borrow my house so I become homeless. You know what I'm saying? Like some homeless person walks up to me and reads this scripture. You're supposed to let me borrow your house. Okay? Now, the reason why we don't lend homeless people our house and the reason why we just don't let ourselves get slapped around all the time is because each one of these is talking about a situation where in their culture it would mean an offense. It was all about offenses. Physical offense is being brought up, but 
spiritual or personal offense is what actually he is dealing with. And what it's saying is if someone strikes you on the cheek, turn, them to the other, turn the other cheek to him. In the times of those days when you'd be in court, and if the lawyer didn't like what you were saying or one of the, the leaders, they could actually walk up to you and slap you while you were talking, okay? And it actually happens in the Bible. They slap Jesus. They slap Paul. They would walk right up to him and be like, I don't like that answer. You don't want to just slap you. And, and, and that's in the form of that government. So what it's saying is turn the other cheek. But once again, it doesn't say after the other cheek what you're supposed to do. It's like, tush, tush, now it's on, you know. Okay. And then the next thing, you know, about the, the tunic and the cloak. What this was is that this is talking about people that are in your life, people that you would know that would be naked that you could help and give to and to help them out. But obviously, if I help you out with some clothes and then the next guy says, can I have some clothes and I don't have any clothes left, this would result in me being naked if we kept on doing it. So are you guys understanding? So like I give clothes to you, I give clothes to them, I give clothes to them. Now eventually what am I? I'm naked. Okay, so at some point, you have to say, no, I, I can't give you a cloak, otherwise I will be naked. So, but what the principle is saying here is help people out. If you know somebody that doesn't have clothes, do you have enough extra clothes in your closet to give to them? You should. And then when you're giving it to them, don't just give them what they've asked. Give them more. Say, hey, I've got some shoes maybe you could fit into. And to do it to the best of your ability. And then the next thing about going the mile, the Roman soldiers were able to at any time call upon the citizens of the Roman Empire to ask them to do things uh, on behalf of the army. So they could say, uh, woman, cook me some dinner. A Roman soldier could ask you to cook him dinner, and you would have to just stop and cook him up a dinner. Uh, a Roman soldier could say, here, carry my armor with me as I go to the next city, because they would have armor bearers. People carry their armor. And if they saw one of these young men like Brian, said, just carry my armor. Jesus is saying to you to say back to him, I'll help you out, and I'll do whatever else you need. I'll go another mile. I'll go the extra mile. That's where it comes from. And then lastly, the one who wants to borrow what you are able to give, because First John clarifies this, what you are able to give, you should say, I'm there to help you out. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Then we go for love for enemies. He then says in verses 43 to 48, he says, love your enemies. Don't just uh, love your friends, your family, people you like. Love even people who don't like you. And he gives the example of the heavenly father gives son to everybody on this planet, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He gives rain to the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so you should be able to give a portion of love to every person on this planet. Now, that doesn't mean you love the carjacker the same way you love your wife, okay? What you're just saying is I'm giving you a portion of love, of grace, of, of brotherly kindness, of human gratitude, and, and, and a place for you to, be, uh, you, know, me, you to be important in my life and me to be empathizing with you. But obviously, it's not saying love everybody in a romantical sense. It's not saying love everybody in just a blatant trusting sense to give somebody the keys to the car just because they ask. What it's simply saying is, can you say you love enemies? Like, like when we're fighting this war in Afghanistan and Germany, is our ultimate desire to destroy them, to obliterate them, or is our ultimate desire that they would change their thinking, serve Christ, be peaceful, and go forward and do good things? So that's the, the way we check our heart, and that's the way you should look at your enemies is that do you honestly want to see them suffer? Do we want to see anybody go to hell forever? Even Hitler, even the worst of the people who have walked on this planet, wouldn't we at least want them to get forgiveness of their sins so they wouldn't suffer with the devil? Can I hear an amen to that? 
Amen. Now going into chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, Jesus continues to talk about now helping the poor and the needy. And what he says here is don't announce that you're helping the poor and the needy like, you know, coming up to the pastor, excuse me, I want to help the poor and the needy. You know, what can I do? It's like don't have to announce it. Just do it. Give to the poor. Give to the needy. Don't brag about what you're doing because at that time the Pharisees would get on the corners and go and sound a trumpet and be like, we're giving to the poor now and literally would hold a parade throughout the city and give to the poor and and this real big show so when we do outreaches and we do things for hurting people we should just do it in such a way that we're not drawing attention to who we are but we're just honoring and giving to the people and the example that is given here is don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing give in secret and the father who sees you in secret will one day reward you openly can I hear an amen to that is anybody bored with Jesus' teachings right now? I mean, I'm just wondering. I'm like, man, Pastor's sermon was a little off today. He just talked about what Jesus said. Man, I was hoping, I was hoping to hear a couple stories in there. I ain't going to just, Jesus, 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 man. You know what I'm saying? Okay, then the next thing, it's like it's real quiet right now because somebody's like thinking that. And they're like, oh, I didn't, didn't realize that was what I was thinking because... He's really just reading what the Bible says here. Okay, uh, prayer then. He talks about prayer, verses 5 all the way down to verse 15 where we hear the Lord's Prayer because he wants to teach them how to pray. And those of you who have come to that service when we just talked about prayer, we got it online on YouTube. We went through the Our Father prayer and talked about what each one of those parts of the, the prayer mean. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're, just gonna, we're going to pray and always start off with some kind of praise to God. We don't have have to necessarily say that word exactly hallowed be your name but every time we pray it shouldn't be about us first it should be about God then verse 10 your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven when you're praying for your financial blessings your family to be blessed you should always be doing it in the context of God's kingdom so God do good things in my life for your kingdom's sake. God bless me for your kingdom's sake. And we'll be learning more about that because it's all about God's kingdom. Can I hear an amen? Thank you. Give us today our daily bread. So give us, plural, our daily bread. Why? So we can have enough to share with others. Forgive our debts as we also forgive our debtors. So Lord, forgive me as I'm forgiving others. And remember, the way you forgive is the way you're forgiven. The Bible says the way you judge is the way you'll be judged back. So make sure that you're gracious with people when they sin against you. And then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Not only does God want to forgive you of sin, he also wants to keep you away from sin how many have been forgiven of sin can I hear an amen now how many want to live free from that sin can I hear an amen amen and then he continues to repeat if you don't forgive you will not be forgiven now then he goes on to verses 16 to 18 and he talks about fasting he says when you fast don't let the whole world know and fasting is abstaining from food and drink and we see this a lot in the Muslim culture that does it during Ramadan they do it from sun up to sundown that was typically how the Jewish people did it as well but Christians have always been known to fast as well and so when it says when you fast don't look like you are some spiritual person in those days they would change their clothes it would be sackcloth they would put on a real like prophet religious garment they would announce to everybody hey guys I'm fast and sorry can't eat with you and then they wouldn't put oil on their faces and that means they didn't have BO and they would stink uh, see how you are in the morning with that morning breath now imagine you going through the whole day with morning breath no BO and you wearing some funky clothes he was saying stop that 
When you fast, don't be all funky and weird. Just put oil on your face, put on some deodorant, dress normal, but do a consecration before you and God. Can I hear an amen? Now we get to the part of where I want to begin to read today to you. These two passages together, starting in verse 19 all the way down to verse 34. But before we get into it, because I won't be able to cover the rest of this, I simply want to finish out what he said. In chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, he says, Judge not, lest you be judged. And at this time, everybody goes, Ha ha, I told you, Pastor, you can't judge me. Only God can judge me. I'm free to be Lady Gaga if I want and walk around in my panties and you can't tell me anything. She goes to Indonesia, if anybody saw I just I look at the news, by the way. Okay, it's not like I'm tracking Lady Gaga and, and like last week, fathers with 30 children. I just look at the news. Lady Gaga's in Indonesia, a 90% Muslim country, walking around in her panties, and she wonders why the government and the people there won't let her have a concert. They just canceled her, her concert. But in America, you can walk around in your panties, and it's just fine, okay? Okay, but... The judgment that he's talking about here, judge not lest ye be judged, for the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and the measure you use, it will be used to you, is not saying you can't make a judgment. What it is saying is don't become the judge. Don't make the rules. So, for example, when I tell you, not judge Judy, not judge whatever, but judge Jesus said, don't commit adultery. And you're committing adultery, you can't be like, don't you judge me. I didn't judge you. I just told you what the judge said. Are we not communicating here? Last time I checked, I'm not wearing the robe, gavel, and everything. I'm not judging you. I'm not the judge. I'm not in heaven. I'm just telling you what he said. Well, I don't want to know what he said. Well, see, now that's the problem. People use that phrase, don't judge me or you be judged, like we're trying to be the gavel, the judge, and make the rules. I'm not making the rules. Now, if I looked at you and I said, women don't wear makeup like some churches do, well, now I'm becoming the judge because there's no place in the Bible that says women can't wear makeup. Are you all tracking with me? Or if I said, men, you know, you can't have a tattoo or you can't wear shorts, and I begin to make these rules. Well, now I'm becoming the judge. But when we as Christians tell you what the judge has already said, that's not called judging you. That's called preaching to you. And preaching to you makes judgments. But it's not the origin from us. It's the origin from God. So just think of us as preachers being those who just read the laws of God. We're God's lawyers talking about the laws of God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And that's why it says don't be a hypocrite then. Especially if you're doing the things you're telling others not to do, which the Jewish people always used to do. At that time, they were stealing, and then they were telling people not to steal, and they were in adultery, and they were telling people not to commit adultery. Like the woman caught in adultery in John. Everybody remembers that story. But they bring the woman. It's like, where's the man? Probably the man was one of the Jewish people that was there wanting to stone her. It's like, we're going to stone her now. She committed adultery, you know. It's like, she committed it by herself? Where's the dude at, Bubba? Go get him. You know, like the, it's like the cat from Puss in Boots. Oh, you know, you know what I'm saying? And, that, and that's probably what Jesus went down and wrote. Like everybody's wondering like what he wrote. Like he probably went down and wrote like Nicodemus. Like you're the other guy. Like dude, right here, I know your name. This is, this is it right here. And that's why the Bible says they all walked away. So the Bible says, don't, 
don't be a hypocrite. And then it says, don't give sacred uh, things to pigs and, and throw your pearls before swine. And what that simply means is if people aren't wanting to listen to the words of Jesus, which this culture is becoming like, don't waste your time. Go to the next one and find somebody to hear the words of Jesus. Then lastly, he goes into ask, seek, and knock. You know, to ask and it will be given. To seek and it will, you will find. To knock and the door will be answered. And he uses the example and he says, hey, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, when they ask, if they ask for bread, you don't give them a viper a snake how much more will i give you a good gift when you ask from me and that's for prayer can everybody say amen and then he talks about the narrow and the wide gates we should go through the narrow gate not the wide gate because everybody's on that one and that one leads to destruction but the narrow gate leads to heaven how many are in the narrow gate say amen i know y'all don't got to go to work tomorrow so i'm preaching again and really long today come on can i hear another amen y'all ain't got to go to work come on church here it is. All I'm going to do is read the other passages just encourage you today because it will say it all in itself. Jesus was pretty awesome. Verses 15 all the way down to verse 23, Jesus says, Look at a tree and you'll recognize the fruit. Look at a prophet and look at his words and you'll know whether or not he's a false prophet. And we know looking at Joseph Smith and Charles Taze Russell, the Mormons. Charles Taze Russell was Jehovah Witness. Joseph Smith was Mormons. Scientology, Tom Cruise, whoever's out there. How do you know if they're telling you the truth? Look at what they're saying and what they're doing in life. The Christians will live according to the fruit of the Spirit. They'll live holy and pure lives, and what they say will confirm with the Word of God. So that's the fruit, is their words and their actions. So you don't have to be a genius and have to be an expert agricultural fruit picker in people's life. If they deny heaven and hell, if their words are telling you Jesus didn't die and raise again from the dead like Islam, you know whoever is teaching that, like Muhammad and Islam, that's a false prophet, false teaching. Don't follow them. Are you tracking with me? If Mormons tell you there's more than one God and you can become a God and have celestial wives and be up there and be polygamous and populate a planet, whoa, <laughs> that's some crazy stuff you're talking about there, dude. That's the, not in the Bible, okay? That's a false prophet. And then if they start doing stuff like Jim Jones, let's drink the Kool-Aid, let's all go to glory land together, okay? That's when you, you turn down the Kool-Aid, okay? You're like, no, I ain't drinking no Kool-Aid with you, all right? Stay away from the false prophets. And the Bible says these people will even go to heaven and say, Lord, Lord. You know, Jim Jones was that once an assembly of God preacher. And he'll claim and say, I did all these great things in your name. And the Lord will say, depart from me. I never knew you. And then lastly, Jesus summarizes everything he just said in verses 7, 24 on to 28. He says, if you hear these words of mine and you put them into practice, all these things he talked about, the Beatitudes, salt and light, the fulfilling of the law, praying, are you listening, giving to the needy, taking care of the poor, fasting, consecration, the things that we just learned here, not judging by your own judgment. If you hear those things, Worrying, which we'll get into. Not worrying. If you hear those things and do it, you're like a man who lived out there somewhere. You know when Homa, anybody ever watch swamp people out there in the swamps? Okay, I was just out there, and we got a Cajun young lady here. You are like the person who goes there, and you build your house on a rock because you know the storms are going to come. If you hear the words of God and you do it, you're like a person who builds their house on the rock. If you hear these words and you don't, do what they say. You are like the numbnut, the riri, who goes right down to the beach and builds your house on the sand, not thinking that another Katrina is going to come. So don't build your house out there on the bayou, right there on the sand and on, on the marshlands. Build your house on rock, 
and above because both homes, both lives are going to have storms. Build your life on the Word of God because when the storms come, the winds blow, you will be standing. If you don't, when the storms come and blow, you will be crushed. How many want to be a wise builder? Can I hear amen? Amen. Now, here is your message. Somebody say, preach it. Praise God. Just a few moments today. Starting right here in chapter 6, 19 and onward. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We're going to be talking about worry in just a few moments, but what is the remedy to worry? It's stop worrying about what you have on this earth. If you keep thinking about what you're going to store up here, because isn't that the heart of worry? Isn't it always around our jobs, our clothes, how we're going to take care of our children, all of those things? Those are the things we worry about. God is telling us, aren't all those things going to go away anyway? Isn't rust going to eventually get to your car? Isn't wear and tear going to happen to your house? See, I was out at the beach, uh, at Ormond Beach, and this guy has a beautiful condo. It is built on rock, and it is built high. But do you know that that sand and that wind and that salt air coming off that, that ocean actually deteriorates the steel doors and the steel he has on his porch? Every year they have to put a fresh coat of paint and a protective coat on it, and if they don't, it will deteriorate. He said, one year I didn't do it and because I, I pulled on his actual porch door. Berta was there, and I pulled off the whole entire handle because the whole thing had been corroded. Even if you live your life exactly the way Jesus said, and he blessed you with everything he said he would bless you with, it's still going to get corroded because these things aren't meant to last forever. Then it says the eye is the lamp of the body. Everybody say, my eye is the lamp of my body. Thank you. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, why does he talk about your eyes? Because the eye is the gateway to your soul. It's the lamp of your body. And if your eyes are always jealous of what other people have and are always wanting what you see in life new pair of shoes new tv new house new car you will have great darkness on the inside of you you will not be satisfied with any of those things how many of you have ever had something new and the new wore off that new thing i mean you you got a new pair of shoes ladies you thought it was awesome but a couple weeks later it, it wasn't so awesome anymore gentlemen you said man if i could just get a car like this an suv a sports car and after driving it for about six months you're like it's just a car. I get from A to B just like I did in the jalopy I used to drive. What Bible is saying here is don't be deceived by what your eyes see. We're always thinking the new thing, the bigger thing is going to make our life better. And it never does. It leaves us empty. You can't serve two masters. Choose who you will serve. The choice that God gives you is God or money. Why? Because money symbolizes the pride of your life. The money symbolizes what you buy, what you want, where you live, how you live in a standard of life. And all of that comes back down to me, myself, and I. So he didn't say you can't serve God 
God in your job or you can't serve God in your family. He said you can't serve God in money because money competes with you to take control out of uh, God's hands and put it into your hands. It's like money always wants you to feel like you're in control. You make the decisions. You're the boss, and God shouldn't be telling you what to do with that money. That's why tithe and offering time is always a hard time for a lot of people because they don't want to hear what God says about money. But if you let go of that money and just say, God, it's yours anyways, and whatever you give to me, I'll be a good steward of, God will bless you with more than enough. Can I hear an amen? And here is the scripture in closing today. The passage I wanted to get to, Matthew chapter 6, 25 and onward. Therefore, everybody say therefore. You see, if I didn't tell you that previous passage, you would not understand why he's going to tell you what he's telling you here. He's saying because you are not going to serve money, because you are not going to be going after whatever your eyes want and trying to store up treasure here, because you know that, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or your body or what you will wear. It's not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. You see, because right at that moment, don't we all then say to God, but God, I mean, I'm not storing up treasures and I'm not lusting after what my eyes want and and I'm not trying to compete with the master of money over my life, but God, don't I need to have food? God, don't I need to have shelter? God, don't I need to provide clothes for my children? And God goes, I know, but don't worry about those things. Because your life is worth so much more than that. What he's trying to do is take our focus off what's here and temporary and put us back on who he is. He's not saying you don't need food. He's not saying you don't need clothes. He's not saying you don't need a place to live. What he's saying is if you had all of those things and you still lost your soul, that would profit you nothing. But if you put him first, as it's going to get good in Matthew 6, he says, I'm going to make sure you have those things. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? When you're today at the beach or this uh, week going to friends and family at a barbecue and a bird comes by or a pelican or something, would you take a moment to let this illustration sink into you? Because Jesus was outside at this time, and they could just see the birds chirping right there. Let this illustration sink in. God created birds to be in a planet where there would always be enough resources for them. God created you with always enough resources for you. That's what he's saying. That bird doesn't have to go around to the unemployment office of birds and go, hey, can't find any bird food around here. What's going on? I mean, can I get a cent to my unemployment right now? A little tough. No, God made sure that whatever species of bird was here would have the right way to find its food, whether it needed a strong beak to crack open the nuts or a long beak to dive into the water and get out the fish or to have a medium-sized beak that's strong and long so it can go deep into the ground and get out the worms and the bugs. He said, just look at those birds. They're not on an employment line. I'm taking care of them, and you're worth more than those birds. Let them encourage you today. Then he says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Does anybody here even know the day they're going to die? We don't even know the day. So why are we acting like these treasures are ours? I've never seen a U-Haul following a hearse. When you go to a funeral, they don't start dumping in all the stuff and go, hey, man, you're going to need this where you're going. You're going to need your 65-inch TV. You're going to need your diploma. You're going to need, no, none of that stuff matters anymore. A person at a deathbed is never calling out for their accountant. Hey, guys, I want to talk to my accountant and my CPA, you know, my guy in charge of finances. Man on a deathbed is calling out for his family, making peace. 
before he goes to meet God. Are you listening? He said, you can't change anything by worrying. Verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow that they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown away tomorrow into the fire, how much more so will he clothe you of little faith? You see, if you look at those beautiful, beautiful flowers, is anybody down there sewing those flowers together? Is there any artist down there with some paint painting those flowers? And God is saying, you can do everything you want in life. You can get your education. You can work hard. You can pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but you still will not make yourself happy. Will you stop trying to do it with your clothes then? And how many people in our culture are deceived by that? They think the nicer clothes they have is the nicer their life is going to be. Has anybody tried that before? Has anybody tried to spend a lot of money on clothes because you just thought designer jeans would be better? You just thought designer shoes. I know I've been tempted to do it at times. There was a place at the Harlem uh, Hip Mall where there's this Italian designer, and I was working a youth pastoring job, and they were paying me good. And I said, I've never owned a $100 pair of jeans. Man, I want to go get $100 pair of jeans. These are Kmart jeans, by the way. Come on, somebody say Amen. This is what your pastor's spending. But now the shoe's a little bit better, but the Kmart jeans right here, okay? And so I say, I want a $100 pair of jeans. You know that I didn't like those $100 pair of jeans. I actually gave them away eventually. Now, some of you might say, well, you went to the wrong place. But how many know it doesn't make you happy, real happiness? So look at what he says, verse 31. Here it is in closing. So don't worry saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans, the non-believers, run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows you need them. Verse 33, this is Jesus. If Jesus, can I just have everybody look up at me, please? I know I'm going a little long to help me in. Lauren, would you come on the piano and just help me remind me I got to end today? Just please look up at me for a moment. Every one of us have pressures in life. Every one of us, and those are real. I'm not trying to minimize that. But if Jesus was here with you today, and could take you out to lunch and sit around the table with you. This is what he would say to you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, business owner, therefore, mom, therefore, father, who's on unemployment and you hate it and you're going out, filling out 20 applications and you're questioning your manhood. He says, father, mother, business owner, high school student, college student, wondering if there's a job for them. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He's saying, can you trust me today? Can you trust me today? In closing, I just want to give you two testimonies in my life, and I hope they encourage you. One of the biggest things for me as a pastor is always the finances, and this is a great congregation. We give a lot here. You see the big numbers at the beginning of every month. A lot comes in here, but we're always just a little bit behind, right, because of the economy. Well, there was at least two different times in the last year where I was willing to go to the landlord and go, this is it. We're going to go find another place. I'm going to start renting a tent and be out there in Portage Park because $8,000 a month here is crazy. 
We're paying so high because he owns the building and his mortgage will collapse if he doesn't pay off the bank. So he's in a troubled position because he bought and remodeled this before the economy got slammed. In two different times that those calls were being made and those conversations were being had, someone from the church was blessed and was able to put a substantial amount in an offering and we were able to go back and pay the bill and go. That may come sometime, but it's not this time. Here is that rent check. God is good. Now, do, do I wish God would come a little early? <laughs> you know, they say he's never late. It sure felt like he was late. So I was like, God, come on, could we have done this before the phone call and the three-hour meeting with the landlords? Them about ready to choke me. If you don't pay, we all go down. Don't you understand? You're paying the whole top half, and it's too late for us to do something else. If you don't, I mean, that's what they're screaming. And how my wife and I have given our four. Now they could be telling a story. I don't know, but they're saying that my wife and children have given up their 401k retirement. We need this, you know. And I'm just like, God is good. And then this. Uh, this week, you know, we dipped down a little bit. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was about May, but we dipped down. And by the time I get back, my wife hands me a check and says, somebody just wanted to give this to make sure that we could go through what we're going through. And God had blessed them significantly off some property, and they're just going to tithe off this. And the check is being deposited right now. Are you all listening to me? And I look at that in my own life, and I go, Joe, will you stop worrying about tomorrow? But I'm like, God, it's, it's the church, and, I, and I, you know, that's for everybody else but me because, you know, I'm a pastor, and i got to worry about tomorrow. And God is saying, no, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. Let that encourage somebody here today. The other example that I wanted to give is that, you know, we have a lot of SUM students that come out of Bible college owing some money and debt. They're young, and they don't necessarily have the opportunity to go work a corporate job because this is what they want to do until the church can pay and give them a salary. I mean, this is it. I mean, they went to college. And I've been praying for them fervently. God, if we can't pay them, Lord, provide opportunities for them. We've already heard at least two testimonies, one from Deanna, one from Jared. Teen Challenge, a drug rehab, is going to bring Jared on staff and give him finances so that he can work there in the drug rehab with the degree he's earned as a pastor, as a minister. And Deanna has been placed within the school system, Chicago Public Schools. She was going for one job that would have given her a certain kind of pay, but now they saw her qualifications, they heard her heart, and they're going to give her almost double. And God is blessing them. Are you listening? Amen. Would you stand to your feet today and as we pray? We're going to ask the altar workers to come. I don't want to keep you any longer. I apologize for going a little late today. I just wanted that video. I know that was what put us over, but hopefully you were inspired by what our nation has done for us. These altar workers are going to be up here today for any prayer requests, anything that you would need. But specifically today, if worry is grabbing a hold of your heart, would you let them pray for you? What does worry mean to God? Worry means I'm in control. Some people don't like to fly. And you know why most people don't like to fly? Is because they're not in control. And when those turbulences and things start happening, they get scared. They're like, oh my gosh, is this plane going to fall out? But the pilot, he knows that plane ain't falling out the air. 
And so many times we go through the bumps of life and we get scared and we worry. And worry is a form of prayer. But it's praying to ourselves. Did you know that? Because worry is pride saying, I got to take care of this. And worry is praying, but it's praying to yourself. Okay, how am I going to figure this out? Okay, I've got $20 and I got $40 worth of bills. Okay, how am I going to figure this? And you're just going on that broken record. Well, my kids aren't living right and I want them to come back home. How's my daughter doing? How's my son? Oh, the worst can have my business is suffering. And, and all you're doing is you're praying, but you're praying to yourself. That's what worry is. And it's that heart of pride that says, oh, I can figure it out I can figure it out I can do something here and God is saying no you can't you can't there are things in life that are bigger than you things you don't control even politicians can't control our government there are things outside of your hands and God is saying instead of praying to yourself worrying why don't you pray to me Father, in your hands I commit my life. Father, in your hands I commit my job. I won't be lazy, God. I won't be a bad father or a bad mother. But, Lord, I commit it to you. I have no control over those looking at my application. I have no control over what my friends and family think about me. God, I commit them into your hands. God, I have no control of what my daughter's doing tonight, what my friends are doing. I have no control. But I commit my friends and family into your hands. God, I have no control over this sickness the doctors have done everything they can God I commit my health into your hands would you just pray right now before we dismiss Lord I commit blank into your hands fill in the blank saints of God I commit my life into your hands I won't worry about tomorrow I won't pray to myself and take this into my own hands I commit it to you. I commit it to you. Lord, this was the, the message out of all those many messages you asked me to focus on this morning. And I've already heard it confirmed by many that are saying this is what they're dealing with. Some from different you know, family issues, financial issues. But Lord, this is your word for your people. A word for me. And we would commit to you our lives and to seek first your kingdom and to trust that you love us more than we could ever imagine you care for us oh god would you just say that god i know you love me god you care for me we're going to sing that song in closing oh how he loves us and if you want to stay up here and pray these altar workers are not here to have a debate with you about your life situation or try to explain it to you. Well, maybe this is happening because of this. We're just going to lift it up to God. There are things in your life that we don't understand either. We don't have the answers here. We just want to pray with you. We want to pray with you so that we'll stop thinking about what we can do and what God can do. Lord, I thank you for this congregation today. A congregation that's deciding not to worry but instead to trust you. Let tomorrow worry of itself. That's what we're going to do. But Lord, today, as much as it's in our power, we're going to seek you first. And your kingdom, your righteousness, doing things the right way, 
working hard's the right way. Being honest is the right way. Loving our enemies. We're going to do all those things the right way. We're going to seek you, your kingdom, your right way of doing things. And, Lord, we're going to trust you're going to do the rest. You're going to take care of us. You're going to give us the food to eat for us and our children, the clothes to wear, the place to live, the place to work, oh God. In your precious name, in Jesus' name, if you believe it, can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise in the house of God? Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. We're going to worship up here and pray for any needs you may have. Would you come now and do that? Otherwise, we'll see you at Life Group's Have a great week. Thank you and God bless you.